Christmas is stupid. Christmas is great. It's the best time of the year. I wrap up the cat. If there'll be snow. I'm gonna wrap up the dog. Have a holy jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, say hello. Well, welcome to week two of holidays. An unusual series because the topic is Christmas and it's still November. But the reason is I wanted to get to you early so that you don't walk through a season that is supposed to be about peace and joy and hope and yet you look like that. And so we're looking at the Christmas story early. Last week we got a, a perspective by walking in Joseph's steps. Today, I want you to see some things through Mary's eyes. Check out the scripture, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, here's what the scripture says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Everybody say favored. The Lord is with you. That word favored, right, to be, to be chosen, to be honored, with blessing. It's what the word means. Some of you grew up hearing this Christmas story in, in the King James Version, and so there's a line within that text that reads, blessed art thou among women. Blessed. Some of you grew up hearing or even praying prayers, right? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Hey, I went to Catholic high school and I passed religion class, all right? I know my stuff, all right? My point is, typically, Mary is associated with the word blessing. When we think about Mary, we think about blessing. And that's why I want to talk about this today, because I'm not sure this is how most of us script blessing. Now think about it just for a minute. This is not how a young lady scripts her life, right? How, how does she want it to be? She wants there to be love at first sight, right? A, a designer wedding dress, a destination wedding, a romantic honeymoon, not a donkey ride to Bethlehem. Not no room in the inn, not a manger for a crib, not becoming refugees fleeing to Egypt in the middle of the night. We would not, in our culture, call Mary blessed. We would say the opposite. But in God's kingdom, Mary is highly favored. 
In God's kingdom, she is chosen to carry the Son of God. In God's kingdom, she is honored with blessing. So, what if, what if we're looking at this blessing thing all wrong? We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity, we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. Are your mercies in disguise? 
So what if? What if we're looking at this blessing thing wrong? When I say the word blessing, I think what most people associate with that is things like health. We would go, yes, I I want to be blessed with good health. Um, Whether we want to call it this or not, we would attach the word wealth to it because uh, it's to know that you have enough, um, which for us typically means more than enough. It, it, It would be happiness, happiness. When we think about blessing, we think about happiness. Now, I'm telling you, that's the American translation. It is. That's the American translation of blessing. Health, wealth, happiness. There are other parts of the world that if I said the word blessing, people would say things more like some food to eat, shelter, safety. Now, uh, that feels better, right? At least it feels better in church. But the truth is, neither one of those fully encompass what the Bible really describes when the word blessing is used because blessing is not about something material, it's actually something spiritual. It's spiritual. Blessing is life in God's will. It is. Blessing is life in God's will. But here's what I need to remind you. God's will is not a safety plan. It's actually a pretty dangerous plan. God's will is not an insurance plan. It is a a dangerous plan, and, and this is why the will of God is about the glory of God. So blessing is life in God's will, and God's will is about God's glory. It's about God's greatness. That's what he's about. Now, come on. That really flies in the face of an enemy who is about his own greatness. It flies in the face of a culture where we are about our own greatness. No, God is about his greatness. Heart of Life has a mission statement that starts this way. We declare God's greatness. That's how it starts. Why is that the beginning of our mission statement? Because that's what God's about. From Old Testament to New Testament, he's about the whole world knowing how great he is. And so we want his mission to be our mission. We want his will to be our will. But here's the wild card in all this. Blessing is life in God's will. The will of God is about the glory of God, but maybe this is something you've never actually considered. The blessings of God will make your life more complicated. The blessings of God will make your life more complicated. There's a reason that sounds wrong. It's because when I filter blessing through, through my definition of health and wealth and happiness, what I mean by that is less complicated. I don't want to fight with health issues. I, I don't want to have to deal with, with, with having enough. I, I don't want to struggle with, with circumstances that don't make me happy. I, I want no complication. Now, we know Sin will complicate your life, won't it? Yes, it will. 
Sin will complicate your life in a negative way. What I'm saying to you this morning is that the blessings of God will also complicate your life. But listen, not like sin, it complicates our life in a positive way. Let me, let me see if I can show you what I mean. When, when my wife and I got married, my life got more complicated. <laughs> Hers got even more complicated, right? You're like, you better say that. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Why is that? Because, because when we got married, it's not just one of us. There's two of us. And over 29 years uh, of marriage, there has been lots of complications, three specifically. <laughs> They're named Whitney, Kayla, and Nick. Now, Whitney might would have been offended by that until now. <laughs> she got her own little complication going on at home. And she understands exactly what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when your family grows, come on, moms and dads, there's a whole lot more to think about in there. That there's a whole lot more to consider. There's a whole lot more to watch over. That there's a whole lot more that, that you got to navigate. Now, don't get me wrong. I can't imagine doing life without those complications because those complications are good. Overwhelmingly good. But the point is, blessing doesn't make things easier. Blessing actually makes it more complicated. Blessing will do the same thing in your career, right? That's usually measured in terms of we go, well, you're incredibly successful, you, you accomplish something remarkable, you, you take steps up a ladder, or how, however that works, you, your career is blessed. Don't tell me that doesn't make things more complicated because it typically does. The, the more you climb that ladder, the more responsibility that tends to come your way. There's more to oversee. There's more decisions that have to be made. And you very quickly can tell nobody else wants to make those decisions for you, right? You have to carry the weight to make those decisions. I love the quote by Steve Jobs. He said, if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. He's right. If you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. Sell ice cream, everybody likes that guy. But it's just a part of what comes with blessing. It's a part of what comes with success. The point is blessing doesn't make things easier, it makes things more complicated. In the Bible, Jesus tells most remarkable stories. Um, they're called parables, and so they're stories that he will tell to make a point, and one of them we often refer to as the parable of the talents, okay? And when you, when you see the talents, we think of talent as, a, and as an ability, but it's obvious in the text, in, in their day, a talent would, would have been a sum. It would have been 
um, some money, for example. And so in the story, one person is given five talents, one is given two, and one is given one. And the five, the person with five works really hard to double that to make it ten. The, the one who's given two works really hard to make that four. But the one who's only given one does what? Yeah, he's, he hides it because he's afraid. He's, he's afraid of, of losing the one, and so he does nothing with it. And at the end of the story, there is an accountability moment. And what happens? The one is taken from the one and given to who? The one with ten. And so the picture Jesus paints in God's kingdom, the reward for hard work, well done, is more work to be well done. Not early retirement. Congratulations, right? Faithfulness in the kingdom of God that results in blessing or favor in our life results in what? More, more responsibility that comes with that, more that we are entrusted with. There is a more complicated aspect to that, but you can smile because it might mean you are blessed. For a young girl pregnant by the Holy Spirit, how much more complicated could that get for her? How much more difficult, how much more complicated could that really be? But she is blessed. See, I'm saying because of the way we tend to measure blessing, it is sometimes so difficult for us to recognize the real blessings from God. We want to go health, wealth, and happiness. Look at what the scripture continues to say. Let's go to verse 30, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. <clears throat> now, we know how the story ends. And so we have a hindsight bias on this deal, which I think sometimes makes it really difficult for us to get Mary's perspective when we're, when we're reading through the story that we've read lots of times. But if you're Mary and you're hearing these words, supernatural, being brought to you, and this is what you're hearing, throne, reign, kingdom. What is formulating in your mind, I would think you are going to walk away with this kind of thought process. My kid's going to be president. Think about it. Throne, reign, kingdom. 
This kid's going to make a difference in the world. He, he's going to be a leader. He's going to be president. I'm telling you, she was thinking political. And we tend to do the same way when it comes to solving problems and making a difference in this world. But the truth is, the solutions to our greatest problems are not political. They are spiritual. The gospel is the good news. And the church is to be the hope for the world as we carry that good news to a world that needs to hear it. The issue happens when the church stops doing what we're called to do, when we stop caring for orphans, when we stop ministering to the homeless, when we stop caring for the least of these, who's got to try to solve that problem? Politics. And suddenly the political arena has to find a way to meet the needs of the least of these when the church is the one who's given the responsibility. See, I, I think we tend to think how Mary probably thought, but the truth of the matter is Jesus' life is not pointed toward a Roman throne. His life is pointed toward a Roman throne cross that's because my greatest problem is I am a sinner in need of a savior and your greatest problem is that you are a sinner in need of a savior Mary gets the news. I mean, you got to wonder, does, does she think back on this later, right? Does all this stuff come flooding back into her heart? Maybe at the cross, right? Maybe at that moment, and she's thinking, God, you promised. God, you, you said, right? A kingdom, a kingdom that, that would never end, right? And here we are. He, her son hangs on a cross, God, what's going on here? But we now know death could not hold him. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead is the one who now can live in us. And all of a sudden we go, oh, that was the objective. That was the blessing in all of this. This was not a political solution. This was not about winning an election. This was about redemption. God blesses in ways that we so often don't see, especially in the moment. But I'm also saying that God blesses in ways that we don't even know exist. We don't. Here's why I think that. The Bible tells us that our God is able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. No, it really says that. Our God can do more. Our God, he blesses in ways that are bigger than, than we can even ask or, or imagine. That means that the logical constraints of your left brain are not able to wrap themselves around the good things that God has prepared for you. You can't do it. And so blessings sometimes come in categories that are bigger than our ability to even imagine them, and then just sometimes God blesses in ways that don't seem like blessings. And when that happens, you're hanging on. 
And then you're hanging on a little longer. And then you're hanging on a little longer. You think Mary wrestled with it? Yeah, she did. Go back to verse 29, Luke chapter 1. Mary was greatly, what's the word? Troubled. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. She is holidayed. I mean, if anybody was ever dazed and confused and struggling to figure out what's going on here, we would give her the freedom to go, okay, holidayed. She's troubled. There is, a, there is an agitation that comes with that word. It, it, it can even mean argumentative. It can. And before you get all, you know, well, I can't believe that Mary would argue with God. Anybody ever had an argument with God? Come on, we in church. Come on, some of us need to see. Anybody ever had an argument with God? Yeah, you're lying. Because you ha everybody has. We have an argument with God. We do. We do. I'm reminding you, though, that if you win the argument with God, you lose. It's when you lose the argument with God that you win. And for so many of us, there is blessing that we desire, there is miracle that we are looking for, and it's really on the other side of losing the argument with God. It's on the other side of, really God? Really. Some of you right now are arguing with God about baptism. It, 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 I, I'm going to say, that I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it, it just kind of makes me laugh sometimes what we argue with God about. Some of you are arguing with God about baptism, right? Now, there are some folks lined up for baptism. I'm excited about that. We're going to celebrate it in, in a couple of weeks, talk to even some today, ready, ready to take that step. But some of you are arguing with God about it. I just don't, I don't really know if I need to take that step. Well, how come you don't know? Because when you read God's word, God's word says, when you believe, then the first step you take out of that belief is baptism. That's what it says. Like, ah, uh, yeah, but I, I just don't know. Why? It's like, well, you know, I was baptized when I was little. I was baptized when I was a baby. I know, but is that, is that what God said? No, God said, when you believe, then you follow in baptism. That's not my opinion. That's what God says in his word. And there's something powerful about taking those steps when, when you are obedient to what God calls you to do, and yet we will, we will argue with God over that whole deal. Well, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I did it here, and if I did it now, and people would see, it's like, why are we arguing with God? Because the truth of the matter is, you're wanting him to bless your life, you're looking for his favor as you find yourself in his will. That's what you want. Blessing, right? Life in his will. And he's going, this is how you start it. And we're going, well, I just don't know if I want to do that or not. And I'm telling you, blessing is on the other side of you losing that argument. He's good. He knows what he's doing. Some of us wrestle. We argue with God over generosity. We do. 
I'm not, I'm not doing anything at this moment that's going to shock you. It's just some of us, we, we, God's word says that a part of our life is to give in proportion to what we've been given. And he says when we give proportionately, it first reminds us to trust him because he's the one who gives us everything we have and he's the one who gives us the next breath that we take. Plus, when we do that together and we bring that portion together with his people, it enables us to do what he told us to do, like taking care of the orphans and taking care of the widows and taking care of the homeless and the least of these. It, it actually is a plan that works. And we go, well, I just don't know if that's anybody else's business. You mean God's business? Because, like, he's the one who said it. And he's the one who gave it all to you. It really is his business. He designed it all, right? But we want to argue with him that somehow maybe this isn't the best plan. No, we, we argue with him. We argue with him. All the while, we want God's favor and God's blessing on our life. We just don't want to do it in his terms. But some of you need to lose an argument. You need to lose an argument. And I could go on with this list. People do it with sexuality, right? God says one man, one woman for life. Sex inside of marriage. Well, I know, I know that's what the Bible says, but that was a long time ago when God said that stuff. I just, I just don't know. Our situation's different. No, it ain't. No, it isn't. And some of you are looking for God's blessing, but you want to argue with him on where you find it. And I'm just reminding you today, if you win the argument, you lose. You lose. Either way, your life's going to be complicated. Because if you argue with God and win, you're going to sin, and your life's about to get more complicated than you want it to. But if you lose the argument and his blessing follows, at least the complication's going to be in a positive, beautiful way way here's the question is my limited ability human ability or God's perfect word which one's going to be the final authority for my life my limited human ability or God's perfect word which is going to be the final authority let's go back to that verse because it says that Mary was troubled but then it also says that she wondered. She wondered what kind of greeting this would be. That word wonder means to reason. It means to think deeply. It means to consider carefully. It's what most people don't take time to do. Most people don't take time to think. To stop and think about what's going on in their life. To stop and think about what God might be moving in your circumstances. We, we just tend to keep moving. There, there's a, an old quote that says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, if he can't just make you flat out do the opposite of what God wants you to do, then he'll, he'll at least make you busy and then you really won't pay attention at all. We spend so much of our life working and consuming that we often don't take the time to think deeply about what God might be doing in our hearts. It comes up again in Luke chapter 2. Check it out, Luke chapter 2 verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
Apparently Mary had this, this unique understanding. There is great power in slowing down, enough to think through what God is up to. I'm telling you, we need some places to think. We need some places to pray. We need some space in our life to, to even be able to record some of those things. Maybe some of you are good at writing it down, to, to journal, whatever that is. If you don't take the time to think it through, you will miss many of the blessings that God is actually pouring into your life. In psychology, there's something called a confirmation bias. It just means that we tend to interpret information um, the way it fits within our preconceived ideas. Um, if we can't explain it, then we tend to disagree with it. If it doesn't fit in our paradigm, then we tend to push it out. The best illustration I know of this is instant replay. For all you football fans, it happened yesterday, multiple times, right? You get two teams, you, listen, you watch the football game, a call is made, it goes to instant replay. All the cameras show the shot, the home team, the dude actually did step out of bounds, for example. He's running down the sideline, he steps out of bounds. Instant replay shows it. Referee steps back on the field, says instant replay, reflects the fact that he stepped out of bounds at the 25-yard line, and the entire stadium boos. <laughs> Why are they booing? It was right there. You could see it. It's because they have a confirmation bias. They are for the home team. They don't care if they can see him step out of bounds. They don't want him to be out of bounds at the 25. They wanted him to score. I'm telling you, it's how we have a tendency to do life. The Pharisees and the Bible did that. They were looking for a Messiah. They knew that the Old Testament scripture said he was, he was on his way. The problem was Jesus didn't fit the profile. They were looking for a Messiah, but not one that would be born in a manger. They were looking for a Messiah, but not one that washed people's feet. They were looking for a Messiah, but not one that would eat with sinners, not one that would heal on the Sabbath day. And because Jesus didn't fit the profile, they missed the Messiah. They missed the blessing. The truth is we tend to want God on our terms, and it just doesn't work that way. We get God on his terms. When it comes to Mary's scenario, there really is not much that makes sense in all this. But I want you to listen to Mary's response. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to be be fulfilled. I mean, do you think she understands it all? I don't. Do you think that she really has her brain around everything that's happening? I don't. But her response is, you're God. I'm not. I'm staying with you. May your word be fulfilled. I mean, it's like no wonder she's chosen, right? It's because of this trust that she 
has in God. Sometimes we really don't want to live in God's will. <laughs> what we really want is God to live in our will. That's what we want. We want God to fulfill our purposes in our life. We, we want the money back guarantee, right? I mean, it's, it's the shopping season, right? And, and to get the money back guarantee, that's what I want to know. If this doesn't work out, we want to know the second step before we ever take the first step. He's like, first step, baptism. We're like, oh, no, 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 I'd, I'd really rather scare. You want the second, and we want the game plan before we ever run the first play. God, give us this year our yearly bread. We want a situation that doesn't require faith, and we want it now. And we are armed with Bible verses that can get it to us. Like Jeremiah chapter 29, who does not love Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11? Maybe you don't even know what it says, but as soon as I read it, you're going to be like, yeah, I, I like that one. This one is on the coffee mugs. You ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That'll drink. Fill up the coffee mug, right? That'll work. That's what I want to see every morning when I get up. Here's the problem. We ignore verse 10. Do you know what Jeremiah 29, 10 says? This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And then verse 11 happens. In other words, whether you want to take 70 years literal or not, which I would recommend, but whether you want to say 70 years or he's speaking figuratively in terms of a lifetime, here's the question. Does God have plans to prosper you? Uh-huh. Does God have a future that's about hope? Uh-huh. Is it, is it all about, you know, something good? Yes, it is. But what he says in Jeremiah 29 is sometimes it may take a lifetime. a lifetime that seems like an eternity no not not in light of eternity it's actually just this little bitty short dash between the day you were born and the day you die a little bitty short dash on the whole perspective of what it means to live forever. We say we want God's will. But I think the struggle in my life, and maybe I'm speaking on your behalf and I shouldn't so much today, but at least I don't think I'm the only one in the room. We say we want God's will, but not when it means that God starts asking us to give our life's work so that maybe it's going to be a next generation that actually sees much of that work come to an explosive picture. I like results now. I mean, who wants to build when they can indulge, right? 
Why, why, why would you want to be a part of something that, that requires, right, being a part of what God might be designing for something future when, when it's like, no, I, I like it. Nobody wants to be Jeremiah, verse 11. I mean, 10, we want verse 11. Anybody know Jeremiah's story? Jeremiah was a prophet, preached for 20 years. You know how many people responded? None. None. What a failure. Right? Who's going to call that guy to be their pastor? Dude's preached 20 years and nobody's ever done one thing he said. That's Jeremiah's story. We, and then our, our question will go, then what did he do wrong? What was Jeremiah doing wrong? Was it his delivery, right? What, what, what was the problem? What, what's he looking at? What's he missing? And I'm saying every once in a while, we got to go back to this truth that with God, it is not about how we tend to always measure success and failure with God, it really is about obedience. It's about obedience whenever, wherever, whatever he calls us to. Now, somewhere in the middle of all that, we tend to have this belief that unless we come off looking good, then God's not going to come off looking good, right? I mean, surely Jeremiah's making that argument. Come on, God, can't somebody believe? I mean, if I preach for 20 years and nobody believes, how's that going to make you look, right? You ever try? that with God? God, how's this going to make you look if I don't get this, if I don't get that, if, if this doesn't happen? But I'm telling you, God's going to look good. He's going to look good. He just sometimes works in strange and mysterious ways, like conceiving a son in a virgin. What? Like Jeremiah, obedient blessed because blessing is life in God's will and that's where Jeremiah was that's what he was doing he was obedient to what God was telling him to do God would give him a message and he would pass it along and just because the people were rejecting the message it, blessing is life in God's will God's will is about his greatness but God's blessing can complicate your life it's about obedience it really is, and man, wherever, wherever you're at with that right now, I mean, maybe it really is something like baptism in your life, or it really is something like generosity in your life, or it really is a struggle with a sexuality thing in your life, or whatever's going on. I'm saying maybe it's something specific that pertains to your family. It really is about obedience. It really is. And I think about people who just are able to go, okay, a Jeremiah who's able to go, okay, God, I'm going to go out and preach it again. I've been preaching this for 18 years and nobody's believed, but I'm, I'm going to get up and do it again. I, I always think about when we first got connected to our mission in Togo and we heard the stories of the first missionaries who ever went there. They packed their stuff in coffins because they knew they weren't going home. They didn't pack their stuff in suitcases. They packed their stuff in coffins, knowing that most of them were gonna die of a disease or some of them would maybe die at the hands of, of you know, a particular tribes or whatever, but they knew they weren't going. It's like, all right, God said go, all right. J.W. Tucker was a, was a missionary a long time ago, served in the Congo. 
and uh, felt like God was calling him to a particular area there where there were tribal issues, people were at war. He had a, a buddy of his um, sit him down before he took his family to go, and, and the buddy is talking to, to Tucker, and he says, men, if, if you go in, you're not going to come out. And J.W. Tucker responded, God didn't tell me I had to come out. He just told me I had to go in. That's the kind of obedience that changes the world. Changes families. Changes churches. It's what I admire about a young girl named Mary. Verse 38, one more time, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. What if you could walk through Christmas this year with that definition of blessing? And what if you could gather with your family this year with that understanding of blessing? And what if everything you do could be evaluated with that kind of simple obedience? Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for slowing us down a little bit this morning to, uh, to give us some eyes that maybe could understand a little better than maybe some of us have ever, ever before. Mary's story, God, what she is called to be a part of God, it, it really does, if we're honest with it, change how we see blessing. God, I'm guessing that there are some folks in this room today, there are going to be some people who hear my voice over the coming days that they've had some stuff happen in their life that, that um, they really struggle to explain. God, for some, just some real hurt, um, God, things that we walk away going, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, God, I, they are looking, they are wanting, they are waiting for you to show up. And the truth is, you have. It's just sometimes we need to slow down to have eyes that can see that you're there and that you really are the God who plans our steps. You, you really are the God who promises to never leave us. And even in the, the, just the junk of this world, the consequences of just sin being in this world, you are the God that out of our simple trust in you, you have the ability to bring beautiful things even out of the greatest hurt. God, I pray today for those who hurt.
that they really could know the peace, the joy, the hope that comes in trusting you. God, some of us in the room today need to lose an argument. Some of us have been pushing back, God, for a long time maybe now, and it's, it's really clear. Your, your word tells us, God, you, you really didn't mix the words. It's clear. It, it's just, God, we're, we've been trying to make it fit in our will, in our plan. God, today, would you lead some of us to lose the argument and begin to experience some of the true blessing of your goodness. God, thank you. Thank you for blessing even when we can't see it. We certainly would not have been able to see it at that cross. We would not have been able to see it seeing Jesus hang there between heaven and earth, I, I, I think, God, we, we would have cried out in a, God, what have you missed here? But now we stand on the other side and our declaration is, what a blessing. God, I'm asking that that picture, you would enable us to bring into our life today. God, folks who are walking through stuff right now, that they have, a, they have a hard time seeing a blessing in any of it. They have a hard time seeing you being in control of any of it. But God, the truth is you are. Will you help us to trust what we cannot see by holding on to what you've already let us see? And if your goodness at a cross and a resurrection has been declared, then your goodness in our life today is still being declared. Your greatness is going to be seen. It may take a day, it may take a week, it may take a month, it may take a year, it may take a lifetime. But your greatness is gonna be seen, God, on this day. Would you craft something in our hearts and minds that we forever see this differently and it would make us want to trust. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for loving us this much. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you'll stand with me, we're going to sing as we close today. We'll be right over here on the side. If you need prayer, we'd be honored to help you today. Love you guys.